Welcome to episode 83 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, As I was getting ready for work today, I was trying to fold laundry and also thinking about the two IEPs and mountains of um, data and soap notes I had to catch up on. And I was thinking about how do we divide these things? How do we uh, navigate working, separating working and home when we're working from home? (laughs) So I wanted to give some tips related to that. So one thing that I try to do is separate it in my schedule. So thinking about, okay, these are my work hours. These are the hours that I'm going to, you know, work on things and making sure that I try as much as I can to not let those two overlap. So if I've set apart a time to work on something and it's usually either when I have a babysitter or somebody's napping (laughs) are the times that I'm like, okay, this is my time set apart that I'm going to work on things for um, either, you know, seeing a client or working on paperwork and then, but I've heard some other uh, suggestions too, where people are talking about that if there's physically, if your physical space is overlapping, like some people have their desk in their bedroom or something like that, that I had a, um, a social worker at one of the places I worked one time told me that when she had that happening, she would put a blanket over her desk at the end of the day to kind of shut down the office kind of thing. So, um, you know, and trying to separate that physical space too, if you can separate your mental space, but just kind of, you know, creating some boundaries for when you, when you're going to be working on what can be really helpful during this crazy time where a lot of us are working from home. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about separating your laundry there for a moment. <laughs> so, so. Colors from yes, it's just a different different (laughs) podcast, different topic. Yeah, but yeah, I certainly get that. I think you know you have to. I think the physical separation is important. You know, you know, talk to people about you know. Some people go to an extreme in a sense where they they kind of get dressed for work and walk into their home office, and then but Mm -hmm. once they're out, they you know they just really want to have the look and feel and and feel like they're working. But it's separate from the what they're doing at home, even though they're yeah. working at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a psychological thing, but it's also a way to reinforce that um, when I'm in here, I'm doing this. and But when I'm out, I am not thinking about that. Right, I am right. at home and I'm with my kids or with my, mm-hmm. you know, my spouse doing whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I have much more of a problem of work leaking into home life than the opposite. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard not to just like when your computer's right there to not just go be on it every minute. But it's sure. good to, you know, create those boundaries, either physical or mental or in your schedule for it. I agree. I agree. And there's some, you know, different techniques in terms of, you know, the, your, your schedule and when you're doing things to, to block things out and, and focus on things and set timers for like, you know, for next half hour, I'm going to mm-hmm. just work on this. Yep. And then I'm going to take a, you know, five minute break. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to drink some water. I'm going to do whatever. And then I'm going to come back and I have another 30 minute block where I'm focused on this. And, and, you know, some people, 
um, like that kind of way to be able to divide up their schedule to get more done to mm-hmm. to stay on task. You know, we were talking before we got on about you know ADHD and things like that uh, as a way to help manage some of those issues as well. Um, but yeah, but being able to separate things as well is, is also very important. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And you have some news you've heard I, through the, through I the do kind of hot off the press, got an email about this today that, um, our friends at presence learning, who we've had mm-hmm. a couple of people from their company on and they've sponsored a giveaway with us. So we, mm-hmm. um, you know, are keeping an eye on them, but they uh, just emailed that they have acquired another teletherapy company. So that will be merging into theirs and it's global teletherapy. So it said, you know, they're growing and want to uh, work together to make sure that they have even more students that they're serving in that pre-K to 12 education system and working on making sure all those kids uh, get the help that they need. So pretty exciting to see them grow that's exciting and i'm i'm unsure how big global teletherapy is but that's great you know you see them continue to grow and more power to them to as a company to keep keep going um so hopefully that means more resources and and other things uh, that will come into the company Mm -hmm. that those people who are working for presence learning will be able to benefit from yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. So uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, on the podcast today, we have uh, Julie Savinsky. You know, she was on before uh, quite a few episodes ago now. Uh, she's from Sweet Speech Therapy, and she's going to talk about how do we engage and keep those really young kiddos those uh, toddlers, preschoolers really engage during teletherapy. And so she has some ideas that she wants to share with us. And so we're, we're walking her, welcoming her back and having her back on to talk about some of that. Great. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Julie, welcome back to the podcast. For those who didn't hear your first interview, can you uh, give us a little more about your background and introduce yourself? 
absolutely. I am Julie Savinsky. I am a speech language pathologist. I'm the founder of Sweet Speech Therapy, which is a fully virtual clinic in Ontario, Canada. Um, I am a fully bilingual French-English speech pathologist. And um, the last time I was on, I was working exclusively with children, but now a few adult clients have been added to our caseload, which is very exciting. So that's where we're at currently. So how did that happen? Um, uh, Someone reached out to me, um, an adult who wanted to work on a LISP. And I enjoyed it so much that I added this service to the website and thought, hey, you know what, let's expand and um, service adults as well. Great. Mm -hmm. So how did you initially get into telepractice? Let's kind of go back a little bit for those who didn't hear the first the first conversation we had. Yes. So I was working uh, with a clinic in person. And when the pandemic started, I lost half my caseload. Um, parents, that, that buy-in wasn't there, right? Everybody was kind of hoping that it would be short-lived, that we could go back to in-person sessions. Um, and little did they know <laughs> that wouldn't be the case. Um, but I decided to take on the clients that did want virtual therapy. And what happened at that time was that old clients who had worked with me in person in a different city found out that I was doing this and they started reaching out to me. And that's how I built up that caseload that was fully virtual more and more over time. Um, yeah. So it was, it was the pandemic's fault, but I'm very grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful. Um, that's the one, one good thing that came from the pandemic for me. And it's been interesting that the pandemic has, has allowed people who, maybe weren't doing telepractice or thinking about it to suddenly have to do it. And we certainly understand those people who just didn't like it and glad they're going back to be in person, but others like yourself saw it as a a new opportunity to grow and go in a different direction with their careers. Absolutely. And I love it. I plan to remain virtual for as long as possible. Um, I love working from home. I love all of the cool materials I can find online. Kids just love technology. Um, So for a lot of the clients that I see personally, I know it might not be the case for every child or adult, but um, the types of clients that I see work very well through teletherapy. And so we're having lots of fun and we want it to continue. Great. So tell us about that. Tell us about some of the fun that you're having and how you keep get kids engaged when you're on there. Yeah, because that can be quite tricky, right? Yep. <laughs> I think that's the biggest fear when a speech pathologist first starts um, virtual therapy is how am I going to keep these kids in front of a screen? Um, and so a few technical things that I'll start with is um having a parent or an adult present. And I know that's not always possible. If you work in schools, it's probably not possible. Um, But for kids who are meeting with you and they're working from home, um, then having a parent there can be really valuable just to keep them engaged and keep them in front of the screen. I've seen um, a big difference when it comes to having that person beside them. Um, I also suggest to my clients shorter sessions. 
So when I was seeing clients in person, I would see them for 45, 60 minutes, um, quite a long time. Whereas for my virtual sessions, it's typically 30 minutes, sometimes 45 for my older clients. And yeah. I find that that makes a big difference as well. Kids know that it's just that short burst. Um, we're going to work, we're going to have fun, and then it's going to be over. But it goes by really quickly. And so I find that when they come back for the next session, they know what to expect. It's just a quick, a quick thing that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I even reduced one of my kids when I first started with him. We did 15 minutes twice a week to yeah. make that shorter. And that's one of the advantages is like sometimes you feel bad when they're coming in person. Like they drove all that way. They, you know, got everything, everyone packed up in the car to come. And But their attention span is only 15 minutes. So you're going to see them 15 minutes and then do that all over again. But online, they just hop on, see you for 15 minutes, then they go. <laughs> it works yeah. out great. Yes, I've done the same actually. And surprisingly enough, this client who started off with those two 15 minute sessions per week eventually increased to right. twice 30 minutes because they got used to it and they mm -hmm. saw that it wasn't so bad and it was lots of fun. Um, so yeah, I just feel like shorter sessions increase engagement in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those two things definitely um, another thing that I can mention is, so at the beginning of every session, I take time to connect with the child or the adult now <laughs> who is in front of me. Um, I don't like to just jump in and start working right away. I'll usually ask them how they're doing, how their day was, um, what they've been up to since we saw each other last. Is there a toy they want to show me? Um, and I find that that really creates a nice connection with that person with that child and they're more willing to work with me and do what I'm asking after that whereas if I just try to jump in right away uh, not so much right I, they they do better when you connect with them um, so those are kind of the three more technical things um, and then getting into the fun stuff so um, I find that giving kids control of something <laughs> helps them stay engaged. So um, if you are on Zoom and you are able to provide that mouse control, that remote control, that can be something that's more engaging for them. They can move things around or they can click depending on the device that they're on. Um, sometimes it can be giving them the choice of a couple of activities or games. Um, I have some kids where I ask them if they want two turns or one, and I always only get one. So I ask them, do you want to do two for you and one for me or one each? And so they find it really fun to be able to have that extra turn. So giving them, you know, that control somehow, um, I feel is, is fun for them. Okay. Um, so I have, I have a question with mouse control. Yes. Have you found a good way to take it back? Cause sometimes once they get mouse control, I'm like, wait, no, no, I, I need my mouse now. <laughs> is, is there a good way? Is there a trick I don't know? Or wh Surfing what do you web. do about that? <laughs> you know what? You've got to click so fast. I agree. It's like, you've got to have really fast reflexes. Sometimes right. I will just stop sharing the screen. Like I, I'll, I'll, just try to keep clicking stop share, stop share until <laughs> it closes down and it kind of gives them the message like, hey, I was asking you to give me that. To do something else. You didn't. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You've got to be really quick. Um, and you know what? For kids where it, it just gets out of control every time, 
I probably won't offer them mouse control again yeah. and offer a choice in a different way, like offer control in a different way. Right. The activity, choose your characters, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm wishing that I want them at some point to create a shortcut for it, like a keystroke I can yeah. do to just take it back. So if Zoom is listening, <laughs> that was one of those next updates. We need that. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. I, if you find out that we can do that, you let me know. <laughs> I keep um, looking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that I've found that really helps increase that engagement is having them be the teacher, the speech pathologist for a little bit. So once you've been working on something for a little while, having them explain it or show it or try to catch you as you're making errors um, can be a really fun way to keep them engaged. Um, Yeah. And even competition, right? Like using competition in the sessions is another fun way to, it can be within a game. Um, but I also find that competition against themselves uh, can be interesting. And what I mean by that is for my older kids, I, I will take a piece of paper and put check marks down every time I hear the correct sound, for instance. And at the end, we'll count them and I'll tell them how many they got. So they know that next time they have to try to beat that amount. So let's say we got 75. Well, next time we have to beat that number and they're really motivated to beat their own score. So it's kind of competition mm-hmm. with themselves. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, another way that they're a little bit more engaged. And, and I think too, the main thing is really using materials that are engaging um, colorful activities activities, animation, videos, right? That kind of thing. I, last time I was on the podcast, I talked about pink cat games. I remember that. (laughs) I'm still using multiple times per day. Um, They keep adding some new games. So that's, uh, that's really nice. It switches things up a little bit, but um, anything that's engaging, something that has the element of surprise, right? we're going to click here and what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to come out of that box. Um, Where is this object hiding? Anything that builds up that um, kind of element of surprise is engaging for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think another idea too is using things that they have in their home. I find that kids are super engaged when they can show me a toy or their pet or something that um, they made and like an arts and crafts project um, and get them to talk about that. I find that they're so interested in communicating then, right? So um, that's, that's kind of a positive thing of having them at home is they can just like run and grab something and, and show you and talk about it. That's so, a, I had a student this last week that showed me his new baby sister. So that was that was fun and exciting. I think mom was nice. more excited about it than the five-year-old <laughs> was. But so, yeah, it gives you a window into their lives. Yeah. And when you have these kids who are maybe a little bit more reluctant to participate, especially in those first couple of sessions, I find that, um, you know, connecting with them and bringing in those objects or people or activities that they really like that they have around them can create that sense of comfort and, you know, get us started on the right foot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those are a lot of different ideas and ways that I keep my clients engaged, my little ones. 
Um, of course, if they are toddlers, typically it's more parent training. So we'll right. keep them engaged in a way where the parent and the child are playing together. And then, you know, they can choose activities that they know their child really enjoys. The population I'm talking about here is more preschool, um, early elementary. Yeah. You've, you've been great about, you know, mentioning some of the websites and, and do you have other websites that you've uh, discovered since the last time you were on or any other materials? Not really. I'm trying to think. No, I still use Ultimate SLP, mm -hmm. games, um, Toy Theater has some good games for mm -hmm. the older ones. Um, ABC yeah, for the younger population. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I would have mentioned those last time as well. Yeah, I love all of the different versions they have of the make a on abca.com. Like make a gingerbread house, make a cookie, make a cake, make there's even one I just used recently used where it's like can make a car and then they can race it too. <laughs> Yeah. So, and it's like, uh, they're just, I think it moves across the screen and then it goes up and down to like avoid, um, obstacles. So you can have them kind of say like, okay, tell me when I need to move it up or down. Uh, you know, if you need to like not give them all the control of the screen. So that's, that's a really fun one. I found all of the makeup things are great. I, I do love, um, I have mostly high school and middle school students now, but I've held on to one private client that's online and is my little kid. And my babysitter who's in the house laughs when she can tell when I switch my voice between when I'm working with my <laughs> high schoolers and when I'm working with my little kid. Because um, she's like, all of a sudden, you're just like, hey, let's do this. <laughs> It's very different than when I work with my high schoolers. Oh, absolutely. That's really funny. It's true. Our tone and our intonation, they really change. Yep, for sure. Yep, I have to catch myself now that I'm working with some adolescents adults, and adults yeah. to really just speak to them like mm -hmm. like adults. Right, right. It's not my default um, I when know. I work. So. I know. And every once in a while it slips out. Like even with my high school students, when they get a sound right when we've been working on it, my woohoo party comes <laughs> out. I'm like, I'm sorry. I know I should hold that in, but I'm too excited. You got that sound right. Finally. <laughs> Sure, appreciate the enthusiasm. Right, right. So. They laugh at me. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. So, Julie, any any go to uh, resources for your adults you're working with, or the list stuff? Yeah, I just found mostly some word and sentence lists on teachers okay. and teachers, um, mm -hmm. and then we just I pull those up and we um, work with those. It can also just open up a book that they have at home. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. An article online, something like that, but they're, they don't need to be entertained as much. So I feel right, like right. as long as we've got something on the screen that we can share, um, we're good to go. Right. Yeah. I've, I've like scanned in pages of Harry Potter, even for some of my older ones to work on, like if we're working in reading um, I've also used like Mad Libs too. Oh that's yeah. A good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And I I also I really love SLP Steven. Um and I use I I'm subscribed to his website 
And I used his resources for fluency for all of the age ranges. So um, yeah, just a little shout out to him as well. I, I think that's a really valuable resource if you have a lot of stuttering fluency clients. Um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed that. The, the amount of resources and, and how everything is organized um, and it's been really helpful. Nice. So what are some resources you found on there? Um, so he has lists of goals per age group oh, um, and then the strategies that he suggests and a whole explanation. He even has videos where he demonstrates and explains. Um, and I found those especially great because um, when I work with teenagers who stutter, we'll watch the video together and you can just kind of see their eyes light up and realize like, oh, he stutters too. And he's using the strategies and that's just so cool, right? I can show the strategies, but it's not the same because I'm not a person who stutters. And so I really like those videos. Um, and he's got a, he's got some worksheets and, and homework pages for practice. Um, so a really great resource for those fluency clients, whether it's the, the little guys or the school-aged or adolescent and adult as well. That's great. I feel like mm-hmm. stuttering is something that's like once every couple of years, I get a kid who stutters on my caseload. So it's one of those that I'm always like scrambling, trying to remember what I'm supposed to do with them. So that, that's great to have a, that go-to. Yes, it's there and it's like, it's basically spelled out for you. Mm-hmm. So it's nice if you awesome. haven't seen a fluency client in a while to just pop on and refresh your memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Julie, when you were on before, did you participate in our moment of Zen? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> now she can. This now is good. she can. Yes. <laughs> and if you bring your sister on, you can't tell her about it, but we'll make her do it and you won't have to do it. Okay. How's that? <laughs> okay. Sounds great. So we have a, a list of questions that we ask and we you can answer them in any way you want. And you could answer with one word or you can elaborate. So it's totally up to you. Okay. All right. You ready? What's the most used app on your phone? Instagram. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) This is, okay, personally or professionally, which one are you using it for? Oh, oh you talking to me or her? No, oh. her. Both, actually, because Both. I have my, my Instagram page, so I'll, like, toggle between my That's personal. What I, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I figured out, too, is I made a separate one for the for speech. And so when I was like, I want to turn this off now and just see, you know, the silly things I can do. Yes, exactly. I even have um, a page for my dog. I'm one of those people. So I'll toggle to that one as well. Cool. Yes. Fun. Uh, What was the last TV series you streamed? Oh, an oldie Dawson's Creek. Oh, good Lord. That is old. I know (laughs) they put it on Netflix and it caught my attention. Apparently there's a podcast about it too, where they go back and like talk about some of the episodes. I've heard about it on another, I haven't listened to it, but I've heard about it on another podcast I listened to. So you might have to find it and see what they talk about on there. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. 
Oh, oh. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Okay. Uh, what's a favorite book? Harry Potter. I Harry- will always oh, no. say Harry Potter. Um, yep. I read a lot of psychological thrillers now, but Harry Potter has always mm-hmm. been my favorite. So you've, you've read the whole series, huh? Oh, yeah. More than once. Okay. Do you like the movies? They're okay. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I never, uh-huh. I shouldn't say I never, but I very rarely watch a movie more than once. And I have watched those more than once. So that, that mm-hmm. says something, I guess. That, right. Yeah. That, that's, that's good. Uh, what's your favorite genre of music? My favorite genre of music is like probably pop slash folk kind of. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Ed Sheeran and John Mayer are my favorite artists. That's who I was going to bring up was Ed Sheeran. I had a funny thing happen recently where we were on our way to a, um, the school of rock musical. And I was like trying to get my daughter to rock out with me. <laughs> and I was like turning on ACDC and she's like, mom, can't we just listen to Ed Sheeran? <laughs> he has a new album guys. It's really nice. good. I do like Ed Sheeran too, but it just didn't fit the mood. I was trying <laughs> to portray right. at the moment. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I really like to sing. Um, and so anything I can sing to is usually a, a good one. He's good. He's very good. I like him. I also like um, like David Gray. Have you listened to David Gray? Yep, I have. Yep. Yes. And and really old school would be like James Taylor and some of the old stuff. But, mm. Mm. Okay, so where is the most exotic place or the farthest place you've ever been? I have been to Australia and New Zealand. Oh, very nice. So that that would be quite far. <laughs> Yes. My my friends who've gone who says it's just like you the US or Canada but better. <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest, I was I believe 14 years old when I went uh, and I feel like my memories are fading. Um hmm. I feel like New Zealand was a lot of green with sheep <laughs> and I remember um seeing a kangaroo like just small details like that but I don't remember everything from the trip, which means I probably should go again at some point. It is, it is time to go back. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is the scariest thing you've ever done? And you can define scary in any way that you'd like to define it. Oh, my goodness. Um, the scariest thing I've ever done is okay on a personal level i have left wait, wait, we won't tell anybody Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um leaving situations personal situations that were not good for me um mm-hmm. and that was probably the scariest thing i've ever done you know make taking that step and um putting something behind and letting go um mm-hmm. yeah that's the first thing that comes to mind as the scariest and and the bravest thing that I've I've done. Yeah. Sure. I I get it. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What is a pet peeve of yours? Hearing people chew. Chewing. That's a, that's a big one, isn't it, Kim? A lot of people mention chewing. Oh yes. Any, like any mouth noises that are not speech or 
like any, like if someone's flossing their teeth or, um, I, he, oh, it makes me cringe. I can't do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think we all have the same pet peeve. <laughs> I don't feel so alone. That's good. That's right. Um, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try? I, if you had asked a younger Julie, she would have said a teacher. Um, but I don't think that's the case now. I would say something along the lines of um, therapy, like social work or psychotherapy, um, something like that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Still in the helping professions. Yes. And so last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm, This is a deep question. (laughs) Um, Something along the lines of, well, two thoughts came to mind. (laughs) I might have two answers. Um, uh, congratulations on everyone that I have helped while I was here on earth. Um, but also congratulations. You are now reunited with some people that you had lost. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, Julie, it has been wonderful having you back on the podcast and giving us some great tips about engaging those little ones, uh, in telepractice. How can people get in touch if they want to reach out to you? I know Instagram is one place. Instagram. So um, at Sweet Speech Therapy. Um, The same for Facebook. Sweet Speech Therapy has a page. And my website is sweetspeechtherapy.ca. So those would be three fantastic ways to get in touch. Awesome. Best of luck to you and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on again. Well, that was Julie Savinsky. Thank you again, Julie, for joining us on the podcast. And best of luck to you and Sweet Speech Therapy. Check them out if you want to learn more about what Julie is doing. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Please rate, review, subscribe, and follow, depending on how you access this podcast. If you can leave us a five-star review, that always helps us to attract new subscribers. So thank you in advance for doing that. We will be back again next week with another episode. And Kim and I just want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And we certainly do have lots of great plans for the podcast for 2022. So we have some exciting things that we're working on and we will Look forward to sharing all of that with you very soon. Again, happy holidays, and we'll be back again next week. Talk to you then. Until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.